I was preparing for today's message on ways to thank God, that's what I'm talking about today. In case you're watching and do not have a bulletin, we're going to be talking about some very simple, practical ways that you and I can thank God. Now, that in itself is an overwhelming thought that I, you know, you, we can thank the creator of the universe. Well, yes, we can, and we'll be sharing about that in a moment. Now, in preparing for today's sermon, I read some studies about being thankful, and some studies that I read made it very clear that there are tremendous benefits to being a thankful person. And I zeroed in on three of the most recent studies. And interestingly, on each of those three studies, some of the things appeared on each one of them. For example, every study I looked at said one of the benefits of being a thankful person, uh, it, it promotes and helps physical health. In other words, thankful people, as the study revealed, tend to be a more physically healthy people. The studies went on to say that thankful people are people that because they are thankful, it reduces their stress. Not only that, uh, it improves their sleep. And not only that, on each one of these studies, the same thing appeared on each. It said it improves self-esteem. Thankful people uh, feel good about themselves, not in the wrong way, but in the right way. And then another thing that appeared on each list, and I would have guessed this had I not even uh, had the list of the studies, but it said thankful people, being thankful, it opens more doors for relationships. And I thought, well, that makes sense. You know, you if you're around someone that's a thankful person, it's almost like a magnet. It just kind of draws you to that person. So I'm just saying to you this morning, and you might ask yourself this question, like, do you consider yourself a thankful person? Would your family members who know you best, they might not verbalize it, but would they say, you know, He's a thankful person. She's a thankful person. Friends, people that you work with, that you interact with during the week, when they think of you, do they think of you as a thankful person? Well, there are benefits to being a thankful person. Now, as I thought about that, I thought, you know, that's true not only in our human relationships, but that's true in our relationship with God. The Bible clearly teaches us that we are to give thanks to God. And so I wish you'd open your Bible this morning to the book of Psalms, and let's go. Let's begin in Psalm 106. And uh, I want to show you two or three verses that really lead up to our text for the morning. In Psalm 106, look in verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Now, turn or look at Psalm 107, the very next Psalm, first verse. It's a repeat. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Now, turn over in Psalm 118. This is a very, very interesting Psalm. Psalm 118, verse number one again. 
Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. So I just selected three. There are more. But here are three verses clearly saying that we're to give thanks to God. So God's word, God himself, God's the author of the scripture. He used human writers, but he's the author. And when the Bible speaks, God speaks. And God clearly is saying we are to give thanks to him. Now turn over in Psalm 136, which is our text for the morning. Psalm 136, verse 1, likewise begins the same way, but we'll read a little more. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Verse 2, Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. Verse 3, Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. Now, for time's sake, we'll not read this entire psalm, but it's very, very interesting. There are 26 verses in Psalm 136, and 26 times, one time in each verse, we encounter this word mercy. If you have a King James or New King James Bible, the Hebrew word is hesed, and it's translated in different ways in these different translations. I looked at several of them this week. For example, in the New Living Translation, that word is translated faithful love, two words. In, in, the, in the NIV, it's just translated love. That Hebrew word that we have in our King James and New King James translated mercy, translated different ways. In the ESV, it's translated steadfast love coming from the same Hebrew word. And then in the New American Standard Version, some of you have that, it's translated loving kindness. And, and I really think it's interesting. You have all these good translations. They're working from the same Hebrew word. And the King James, New King James just uses the word mercy. But you almost need all of those words to, to get the idea. The, the big idea is God's mercy. It's God's grace, God's loving kindness. And so... Uh, as you think about this, God is saying, okay, here's the, here's the situation. Our responsibility is to give thanks to the creator of the universe, our God. And in Psalm 136, it focuses on because of his mercy, but there's so many reasons. Now, what I want to do this morning, though, I want us to think about some simple, practical, everyday ways that you can thank God. I mean, we all know we're supposed to be thankful to God, but like, how, do, how can we really plug this into our real life so that as we live our life, just going through normal days, that we are in a spirit of thanksgiving, doing what God's word says we are to do. Now, if you have a bulletin, if you take your bulletin, we'll just kind of journey along in it and, and mention some of these simple, practical ways that you and I can thank God. First of all, you can thank God with three words. And I wish you'd just fill in the bulletin. <laughs> three words. And the three words, thank you, God. That's it. I mean, the, the smallest child can say, thank you, God. Teenagers, they can say, thank you, God. Adults, <laughs> we can, it's just so simple. I think we miss it. I think we miss it. 
Let me ask you this morning, other than your memorized prayers that you say at mealtime, or perhaps when God has met some specific need, maybe you received back a good report from a medical test you were very concerned about. You know, in those situations, we may not verbalize it, but hopefully we would say, thank you, God. But other than those type situations, when is the last time you remember saying the three words, thank you, God? Let's say them together. Would you join with me and do that? Come on. Thank you, God. You know, I've learned this about words. If you, it's like saying the word Jesus. There's just something when you say the word Jesus, it feels good on your tongue. It feels good in your ears. Well, the three words, thank you, God, need to be familiar words, first of all, to your own ears. I fear sometimes, and I may be wrong, but I think I'm probably more right than I am wrong on this, that if we're not careful, we're more like those 10 lepers that Jesus healed, only one of those 10 remember to come back and thank Jesus. We mean to, we intend to. I think it's the same thing in our human relationships. I think about the many people that have blessed my life in so many ways. Numbers of them already now with the Lord, but many others are not. And maybe just as we get older, this kind of rings a bell to us, but you think to yourself, you know, while I still can, while they're still around, while I'm still around, so-and-so's really been a blessing to me, and I need to just thank them for that. I, I could write a long list of people that I've had that thought come to my mind. I had every good intention, but let me ask you, sometimes do your intentions fail to get carried out? Yeah, I think it's the very same thing with God. I don't think that it's that we're not thankful to God. I think we just don't discipline ourselves enough. The Bible is very clear. Thank the Lord. We're to thank God. And it's a very simple way we do it. We do it with three words. And those three words are, thank you, God. I'm not perfect at it, but every morning when I wake up, I say, God, thank you. I woke up. Thank you for tuning in. There is another side to that. And then the second thing I do when I get on, I kind of get on the side of the bed and, you know, I have vertigo. Thankfully, I have it doing well, but I, I need to get, I have a little certain way I need to get going when I'm just getting out of bed. And I realize that I'm, I'm not sick. I feel good. I just, this morning I said, thank you, God. I'm going to preach today. And I feel, I'm not like John. He confessed it. He's asleep the first half of his sermon. He said that. I'm wide awake. Now, sometimes in some of the sermons I've preached through the years, I doze off during the latter part of the sermon. But no, seriously, to get up this morning, be well, feel good. I just want to thank God for that. And I know you do. I'm just encouraging you today, those three words. Use them not just when you get up. 
It's not when you're just trying to get out of the bed and get on the floor, but use them throughout the day as you just are reminded of the blessings. Oh, it's just an amazing thing. Well, let's move on. I could be all morning on that. You know, the Bible is so very clear that says Bible says in Thessalonians, give thanks for everything, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So I'm just encouraging this morning. As we journey through this Thanksgiving month, look, thank God with those three words. Thank you, God. And then you can fill in whatever it is you're thanking. Now, what's another simple, practical way that we can thank God? Well, if you want to look at your bulletin, we can thank God by being a cheerful giver. Cheerful giver. Turn over in the book of 2 Corinthians, if you will. We'll journey over there together. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, where Paul has some interesting things there about giving, but we'll zero in on verse number 7. Paul says, so let each one of us give as he purposes in his heart. Now watch this. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. That word translated cheerful literally means hilarious. You know, people are just excited about giving. It's, it's our attitude about giving this important thing. That, that word grudgingly reminds us that uh, we're not to be, you know, we shouldn't have grief about giving to God's work. We shouldn't have sorrow or sadness. We should have gladness. We don't do it out of duty, not something you have to do. That's what harvest day. You know, our attitude about giving is more important than our gift. I believe that. And here's why. If our attitude is right, our gift will be right. And God will bless that. And, and today, as all of us, or at least most all of us, this week, I would think, have given extra thanking God for what God's done thus far in this year to be extra good to us. There was just a good feeling about it, a gladness about it. We made our gift online during the earlier part of the week, and I, I just thought, hmm, I'm just glad we can give this extra. I felt, I just inside felt good. That, that is the thing that God blesses in a special way. So really, one of the good things about Harvest Day, it's like an attitude check day about giving, and it's another way, a very simple, practical way to thank God by being a cheerful giver, glad to give. Well, let's move on to another thing. It's very simple, but it's not easy. And that is you can thank God by pursuing holiness. I wish you'd jot those words down in the blank and then turn over with me in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 12. You and I can thank God by pursuing holiness. Now, in Hebrews chapter 12... You may want to make a mark. It's verse 14. I think it's one of the most confronting verses in the Bible. And it's misquoted because the first part is normally the only thing that's ever quoted. But let's look at the verse. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. It says, pursue peace with all people. Now, we hear that all the time. Pursue peace with all people. But then look what it says. There's a conjunction, and, and holiness. In other words, not only are we to pursue peace with all people, 
We're to pursue holiness in our own lives. Now, here comes the confronting part of this verse. You talk about a sobering verse, a sombering verse. Look at this. Without which no one will see the Lord. Now, I'm saying to you, if you think about what that verse says, remember, God is the author. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. God has said, Here's what you're to be doing in your life to do. Pursue peace with all men and likewise, you're to pursue holiness without which if a person is not doing this, the Bible says they're not one day going to see the Lord. They're going to miss. They may belong to the church. They may be looked upon as whatever, but here's, here's the deal right here in this verse. Now, this word pursue I love the way the New Living Translation translates this verse. It says, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. You work at it. We don't ever achieve it. We'll never have 100% peace with everybody. But as much as it depends on us, the Bible says, we're to do our part. Now, let's talk about the holiness part. We'll never be fully what God intends us to be until that glorious day when the Lord Jesus comes for us. But in the meantime, that's where we are now. What do we do? We work at it. We keep striving in our lives for spiritual development. Now think about that. Now I'll say this this morning. If you, this is as simple as I know to say it, if you are not striving for spiritual growth, you need to seriously look at your salvation experience. it's, It's not perfection. It's progression. Every day we should be working at growing spiritually. And there are simple things that require discipline to do that. You know, this whole idea about holiness. See, holiness is not the way to Jesus. Jesus is the way to holiness. And the early Puritans, it's so sad, they never figured that out. They really thought they had to live a perfect life, and they did all of these things that they could imagine to try to be holy. Well, holiness is not the way to Jesus. Listen, folks, Jesus is a way to holiness. You, you start with him. And then you work at every day of your life, growing in your spiritual life. And it is a blessed, wonderful thing. And you know, there's a verse, you might want to jot this verse down. We'll not turn to it, but in Job, that old book of Job, chapter 34, jot it down, verse 21, in the New Living Translation says, God watches over how people live. He sees everything they do. I need to be reminded of that. New King James says it kind of a more (laughs) difficult way, but if you take what I just said, God watches everything people do. He sees how they live their life. That's what the verse is teaching. To think, you know, we talk about, look, I'm, I'm, I'm working at growing spiritually, okay? I hope that be true. God knows. God looks down. You know, here's the thing. God blesses effort. I do believe that. God will bless effort. If we, if we just try, God will bless it a thousand times. The point is, you just do your part, 
And when God sees that as he sees you trying to do your part, he'll help you not only have peace with mankind, he'll help you to grow in your spiritual life. Well, let me mention one other way this morning before we come to the end. You can thank God by obeying his words. Now, let's think about that. You know, how can I thank God? Well, I can thank God with three words. <laughs> I, can, I can thank God by being a, a, a cheerful giver. Uh, I, I, can, I can thank God by pursuing holiness. But I can thank God. This is simple. Not easy. It's simple to understand <laughs> just by obeying his words. In John 14, 15, you can look later, Jesus with the disciples in the upper room. And Jesus said to them, and it's for us. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's it. As you and I are trying to do the things God has told us to do in his word. Lagos, if you love me, keep my commandments, my word. And then there's this other word. It's a sermon within itself, but I mention it because it's important. Over in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, you encounter the word. The normal word in our English Bible that we read, W-R-D, word, comes from that Greek word, logos, which means the written word or the living word. Like in the beginning was the word. Okay, talking about the living word. Now, the scripture, we talk about the word of God. That's logos. But there's another Greek word that we see in Scripture in the Greek language, translated into English, likewise simply as word. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But now that word is not logos. That word is rhema. R-H-E-M-A, rhema. You say, well, now what, what does that mean? Well, it's very, very important because when we talk about we can, be, we can thank God by obeying his words, primarily we're talking about these words, okay? But then we have to deal with this, this rhema. You say, what is rhema? Well, rhema is, uh, is an utterance where God's spirit speaks to our spirit. And primarily, now listen to this. You can really get in trouble here. He will do so by bringing, it's like a, a scripture will just pop up in your mind. You're going through something. You're facing something. And then all of a sudden, boom, a Bible verse just pops up in your mind. That's a rhema. That's the Spirit of God giving this utterance. It's just, it's a quickened Utterance. It'd be the best way I know to explain a rhema. Primarily, it will be a scripture. A good example, probably as good as the Bible has, there's several. But in, in you remember Jesus, the temptations Jesus had in the wilderness after his baptism, and Satan, you know, said, if you'll do this, that. You remember how Jesus responded? He responded how? With scripture. God the Spirit just quickened in him a scripture verse that fit the moment. Uh, in Luke chapter 2, there's another good illustration. 
of the man that was said that God had told him he would not die until he saw the Messiah. Oh, Simeon, remember that? Well, we don't have anywhere in the Bible where that we find that verse, but see, God had spoken. Now, sometimes, listen carefully. Now, this is a part you don't want to miss. Sometimes the Spirit of God will speak to your spirit, and it won't be a verse that pops up. It'll just be God's Spirit speaking to your spirit. Now, here's how you can be careful. It will never contradict what this says. It'll never be against what the Bible says. But there'll be some issue in your life where you need a word from God. And there's no Bible verse that's going to say, this is what you do. Well, God will speak a rhyme to you. If you're in tune, and you'll know the difference between was it from God or is this just something I thought up? You say, how do you explain that? It's unexplainable. At least I don't know how to explain it. I just know from experience that when God's spirit speaks to my spirit, and I know God has spoken, then I've had a word from God. I've had a rhema. And that's what the Bible is talking about. Now, they'll come fewer. I'll say this. I have no way of proving this. They probably come more. I'll just put it in my life. I, I won't. Don't, for me, God has probably spoken more ramus to me than I got. Because I think you'd have to be in a certain spiritual position at that time to receive it. And maybe, maybe you've had that experience a few times in numbers. Now, as I, as I thought about that in today's message, I thought, give them an illustration. Give them an illustration of, 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 uh, that we all can relate to. Okay, church-wide. Okay, well, church-wide? Well, I'll back up. I'm doing good on time. I'll back up. I'll give you a personal one that has something to do with this church. It was on that Sunday morning when I'd not dealt anymore with this church at all about coming here as pastor, that deal had, we had been through that and had not gotten a word from God. But that Sunday morning, I can still remember when I sat down on the platform of the First Baptist Church in Sulphur Springs and looked up and out and saw some of the pulpit committee from First Baptist Church Pasadena had come back. The Spirit of God, I'm just sitting on the platform, said to me that morning, you're going to Pasadena. That's my will for you. That was a rhyme. I knew the relocation of our church. I mean, there was no verse in the Bible that said, you need to get this church to move out to 7,500 Fairmont Parkway. No. Well, we did our homework. We prayed, a lot of different opinions about it. But then here's the deal. There came a day when God's Spirit spoke a rhyme to me and to many others. But whether he spoke to many others or whether anybody agreed, I mean, I, I couldn't make the church do anything. That what God called me to do. I just knew what God had said we were supposed to do. And the majority of God's people either had had a word or they just had hoped I had a word. But, oh, how God has affirmed that. But now that's just a good illustration of that. A more recent illustration, and I'm about to get to a real recent one, but a more recent illustration would be about the contemporary service. 
for over two years. We shared this year on March 8th in 2020. Uh, no, March, the first Sunday in 2020. Yeah, and then we met on March 8th, and then we didn't meet anymore for a long time on account of COVID. But you remember that Sunday morning, John and I and Jimmy sat on those little stools up here the first Sunday in March in 2020? Well, that wasn't something just happened that morning. We had studied and thought and thought, and we'd talked and we'd done you know, everything we could do. But finally, God made it clear to me and to John, and according to his testimony to Jimmy, uh, that this is what our church needs to do. Now, I said to John, we need to share this with the church. And we didn't have a person to come lead it. We didn't. I said, well, I don't, we just have to trust the Lord for that. But we shared it, and that morning it was well, well received because, I mean, people understood that if we wanted to reach, uh, if we wanted to reach younger adults, we were going to have to have a service that younger adults felt like met their worship needs, and and then we needed a service that met other people's worship needs. So it's the best of both worlds, you know. The benefit, like the choir's been the blessed of it better than anybody. Well, there used to be two of them. Now they're all in one of them. So they've done real well. And this has done well. But be that as it may, when God put that in my heart and spoke a rhema, I thought, well, you know, my, my next possibility is just share it with the church. But I, I was amazed how well it was received. But listen, if it had not been received well, I was just sharing what I felt clear that God had led. And there we are now. Once we got that service going, of course, we're dealing with all this stuff during COVID. And we, we said, but now we have a service, but we, we need a minister to come that will be a minister for young adults, a young adult minister. And just like we prayed God would lead us to a person to lead the contemporary service, he led us to Chris Squires. We said, well, we've we got to find somebody now that can, can be that for us in this area. And so, but that didn't just start. We've, we've known that way back yonder. You know, it would be no good to have the contemporary service. not going to have a, a young adult ministry. But it wouldn't be any good to have a young adult ministry if we don't have a service that group wants to go to. So, it's so very wonderful. We prayed and prayed. And God has answered the prayer. And I'm so excited about the way God has answered the prayer. We've had several interviews. Personnel committee, likewise, uh, has had their interview with the one that's going to come and lead us. And I want to put this family's picture up on the screen if they'll do that. This is Sly and Michelle Portillo is how they pronounce that last name. Poor P-O-R-T and then O. Poor T-O. But that is, that is Sly and that is Michelle. Those are two of their children. They've got another one on the way. Okay. Now, he is coming from the same church that Chris came from. Sugar Creek. We need to pray for that church. They're sending us some really good people. You know, I, but, but anyway, Chris told us over a year ago, he said, when y'all, when y'all ever get to the point that you are trying to interview people to be a young married adult minister, I'm going to give you a name. Now, whether you call this person or not, that's y'all's business, but I, I've worked with this guy eight years. I've known him and he's done it. He is doing it. And he would be dynamo if, we, if he felt led over here. Now, let me tell you. So we start that process of interviewing Sly. 
And once we figured out, you know, this might be it, we said, well, we need to get his wife in on this. So we brought her. I'll just tip you off. She's way better than he is. You, you, you'll find out. I mean, she'll make you want to do something for Jesus when they start their testimony. Well, we, we get, so then we go through all those meetings before we get ready to go to personnel committee meeting. Uh, John said, look, now let me say this. John's never early. But like John, and this is a good thing, he's going to, he's going to try to cover every base and then invent some, which is a good thing because I'm more like a bull in a china shop. So we need his type too. He said, I think we need to have one more meeting with Sly before we go to personnel committee. I have two or three more things to deal with. I thought, oh my gracious, oh my God, okay. So we call our meeting. We get old Sly and his wife to come back. Was his wife with us on that meeting too? Yeah, we want her back too. We're in the conference room. This is, I've just got to share this and I've got to speed it up. I'm now at the end of the table. John's over here, sliding his Michelle down to the end. Uh, I think Jimmy's sitting right over here. Pam's right over here. So here we are. And we're just going along. We're just going along. I thought, man, this is just, this is, this is like, this is like a no-brainer here. This is just like Chris number two. I mean, this is, all of a sudden John says, stop, stop, stop the meeting, stop the meeting. I thought, oh my gracious if he's fixing to cancel this, I am announcing my retirement quick. <laughs> Here's what John said. What, what, John had a rhyme. John had a rhyme. John said, there's no need to continue this meeting anymore. My heart. I thought, John, we'll, this guy's better than anybody we'll ever think about getting. Okay. He said, it's obvious. You're who God has for us. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When he said that, I thought, God just spoke a rhema to John. He did. And when you meet him, you'll feel the same way. I'm just saying to you today, look, number one, now listen, don't, don't close your Bible and say, you know, we're not going to be bothering about reading the Bible anymore so that God wants. We'll just wait on him to speak a rhema. Well, most of the time, this is where it comes from. Could I have an amen from that? But there'll be those times you'll have what John had where you say, oh, no need to carry us in. No. God's made it clear. God's made it clear. So on December the 1st, personnel committee met. They, they, they felt the exact same way. Uh, Sly will begin his ministry here, and uh, it's just going to be a marvelous, marvelous thing. Let me say this before I wind up. Did you know, now he's going, to be married, he's going to be minister of young adults, single and married. But in Texas, that's where we are, 25% of the population of Texas, single young adults between 18 and 35 that live on their own. They're not at home. They, okay. That's 25% of the whole population of the state. And I looked at that horrible thing that happened at Astro World. Y'all see that? And I thought to myself, <laughs> it's that age group we're trying to reach for Jesus. 
They're trying to go here. Yeah, give God glory. They're all lined up paying big bucks to hear some music group. But folks, I'm telling you what, they need Jesus. And we are going to do better than we can ever imagine because God's made it clear. Now, let me end this way. I'm going to tell you the best way to thank God, and most of you have already done it. Best way you can thank God, and most of you have already done it. It's just a beautiful thing. And God explains it in these very simple six words. Look to me and be saved. <laughs> 